All righty, News Talk 1110-993-WBT, the Pete Callender Show. I'm the Pete. So uh, probably I'm going to give this guy a little bit more coverage than he's ever had uh, before. This is, uh, what's his face? Ari Melber on MSNBC. I think more people will probably hear him now than hear him on his show. Here is Ari Melber on MSNBC. You own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates, all of its nominees, or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Mm. Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech, philosophically clear, open-minded helper. Yeah, so all of these terrible things that somebody could do if they ran Twitter, silencing opponents and such. Gosh, I hope we never get to that point. Joining me now is Brad Slager. He is a uh, columnist uh, daily at townhall.com, also at redstate.com. Welcome to the program, Brad. How are you? Hang on. We got him? Hello, Brad? Uh, I don't know. That's weird. Because I've got him punched up on the line. And you got the volume up. And you got him in the right channel. All right. Uh, well, Brad, is there something on? Did you mute? Are you muted? Did you mute your phone, Brad? Can you hear me, Brad? <laughs> All right, we'll put him. I'm going to put him back on hold and see if you can figure out what's going on. Um, well, Brad Slager is, in fact, a columnist at redstate.com and uh, townhall.com. And uh, he has a piece. He's got several of them, actually. I wanted to have him on to, to chat about the need for Elon is the one that's up at Red State. Uh, just went up uh, within the last 24, 48 hours here. Um, and he talks about Ari Melber, and that's the guy you just heard, Ari Melber. That phobia, as Slager says, matched the exact behavior many on the right have been experiencing on Twitter for years. For years. Obliviously, he says, Melber intoned warnings of targeted suspensions, limited exposure, shadow bans, and even public officials possibly removed entirely. The hysteria pouring out of the media complex about the impending sale to Musk going through is rather obvious that the press in general fears that the control over the platform's narrative is threatened. This is the thing that I said this a couple weeks ago, back before I started getting all the new followers on Twitter for some reason. No, I said this a couple weeks ago, which was, even if this takeover attempt does not work, even if it's unsuccessful, Elon Musk has provided a very valuable insight for all of us. The arguments that the left made about, uh, you know, just start your own competitor to Twitter. Now, if you don't like content moderation like this, that's done in an objective way, right? If you don't like it, just start your own platform. They're freaking out now because they recognize the power that Twitter has. And the power that Twitter has is because of who is on it. It's the users, media, politicians, all of that. It's the users that make Twitter powerful. And as such, they're not going anywhere. They don't want to go anywhere. And so they always made that argument to people on the right as they were getting their content uh, shadow banned. They were having their accounts banned. It was never about 
having the discussion. It was about moderating who can say what on the platform. If you're worried that Elon Musk is going to allow free speech, you're not the good guy. Just a heads up on that. You're not the good guy. According to the donation records at Open Secrets, Brad Slager writes at his piece at uh, redstate.com, Open Secrets, in 2020, employees from the two largest social media platforms donated to the Democratic Party at a rate of over 90%. So nine out of $10 goes to Democrats among all the employees. Why is that important? Well, think about it. Echo chamber. You become so insulated among your peers in your workspace and these users that are on your platform that you are moderating, right? That you don't get any kind of alternative view. You don't get any kind of challenged idea. And you know me, I say it all the time. Unchallenged ideas are way easy to hold. Way easier to hold if they were never challenged. That's why you need ideological diversity at these platforms among the people that are making the calls about what stays, what goes, who's allowed on and who's not. One other thing, I saw this today. This is over at Daily Wire. Twitter reportedly locked down changes to the platform on Monday to prevent employees who might be mad that Elon Musk bought the company from being able to sabotage the platform. Again, another piece of evidence that these people are activists. They view their jobs as more activism than creating a place for free speech, than allowing users to uh, tailor their own experience. Anonymous sources reportedly told Bloomberg News that the new measure would make unauthorized changes more difficult. Quote, for now, Twitter won't allow product updates unless they are business critical and product changes will require approval from a vice president. Twitter imposed the temporary ban to keep employees who may be miffed about the deal from, quote, going rogue, going rogue. All right, so I think we got Brad back on now. Hello, Brad. Welcome. How are you? Hey there, Pete. How's everything today? Hey, not too bad. Not too bad. So I have about a minute, <laughs> um, and, then we'll do a, and then we'll do a break, but then we can bring you back after. I've kind of gone over a little bit of your piece that's at redstate.com, the need for Elon. Um, and you went through and looked at the donations from Open Secrets, uh, the donations that go to the Democratic candidates, by and large. I think it's actually gotten worse since 2020, right? So why, and I said that, that this is important because a lack of ideological diversity is going to cloud your uh, your judgments on on what stays and what what doesn't, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it, when you look at it from 2020 when they were at 90 percent with their donations. That's kind of in line with what we've seen in the past years with the media complex in general. You know, they used to do polls of the newsrooms and such, and most of the reporters and editors were 90 percent or so in favor of Democrats or registered as Democrats. So Twitter being in that line is not too surprising. And then last year, that number actually rose to almost 99% and continues through the first quarter of this year. So that's that goes beyond bubble thinking. That's actually a hive mind taking place in their executive offices. Yeah, which is why they've reacted the way they have with the news that Elon Musk is going to implement open source to the code, 
uh, get rid of the bots, but also uh, to make it a free speech platform, which the response has been kind of comical in its hysterical nature. Um, let me do this. Let me take a break and we'll bring you back. This is Brad Slager. He is a columnist at townhall.com as well as redstate.com. And uh, we'll have more with him in a minute. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Writing at redstate.com, Brad Slager says, when a GOP donor is harder to find on the Twitter payroll than a vegan cannibal, you have to expect that a uniform level of thinking would become entrenched when every single person in the office sits in the same bubble. Those overseeing the enforcement of the terms of service will not question things when questionable decisions are made. Um, you also wrote about this because this same thing, right, Brad, happens in newsrooms. It's been happening in newsrooms for a very long time, like you just mentioned. So uh, you but you seem to think like there's cause for optimism with the way things are going right now with the media and uh, and big tech? Um, yeah, because I've been, you know, with my column and such, I've been following the press pretty ardently for a good year or two, and I'm starting to see a trend where they're really losing traction as far as guiding and manipulating the national narrative. You know, years ago, just for example, I'm in Florida, front and center with the parental rights law Mm -hmm. that was passed and how the media just overreacted with that, calling it don't say gay and all the other hysterias. They haven't moved the needle at all in the public opinion. And the same goes for Elon Musk and Twitter. Just yesterday I saw a poll that came out, and despite all of the venom thrown at the guy, the public is in favor of him taking over Twitter. You know, they put a poll out, and I think it was 57% of people said, yeah, they want him to buy Twitter and square things up like it should be. So it's just another example of the press losing the influence that they used to have on the general public. Right. You have two different pieces at redstate.com over the course of, I guess, the last two weeks. Um, the examples mount that America is reclaiming the narrative from the media. And I guess, you know, part of this is. I mean, we recognize this, that the the gatekeeping function of the media has been collapsing for a good while now uh, with social media uh, rising as it has. But it's now become evident that the people who walk those halls of the gatekeeping institutions, uh, that that they really do see themselves as the the ones who advance the narratives of what is, you know, capital T, the truth and and what we are all as a society supposed to accept and reject and they're not handling it very well and thanks to twitter we see them and their meltdowns yeah exactly that and you know we hear repeatedly you know them driving the narrative in a variety of stories what we don't hear from them however are the end results so like with the florida law numerous polls have come out that they're not too thrilled to broadcast which show florida voters support it national opinion has been in support of the Florida law. And even within the Democrat Party, they've done polls that show they support the law, which itself is eye-opening. But yeah, a variety of stories that they're covering, they've been hammering Joe Rogan for a good six months, trying to demonize him and get him pulled down. Spotify just put out their quarterly report. They gained millions of subscribers (laughs) in the process. Their revenue has shot up. Look at their coverage of the January 6th commission. 
and the riot that took place. They have been incessantly covering that, and it's the worst thing to ever happen to this country. But the polls are showing fewer people blame Republicans, fewer people blame Trump for it. They're losing ground on the very issue that they've been promoting for a year. It's very similar to the gun control argument. Every time there's a you know a mass shooting and the immediate reaction is, well, first to go and you know try to uh, paint whoever the shooter was as a right winger. But after that usually falls apart, we find out it's a leftist. But uh, after that, there, there's always this we uh, this this call for the you know conversation. We have to have the conversation about gun control. And I welcome that because, like you said, w- when you look at the polling, once the conversation occurs and I get to have my say and the, the Second Amendment folks get to have their say in the conversation, our side tends to pick up more support. So I generally am okay with the conversations occurring. Well, that's the... You use a key word right there when you said conversation. Anytime the press or people on the left use that word, they don't mean a conversation. They mean a lecture. You, they don't want to have a dialogue. Case in point, just look at how much anti-gun coverage there's been. But we just reported at Red State, I think, this week on the amount of gun sales that have been seen with the minority groups, mm-hmm. blacks, Hispanics. It's been going off the charts as much guns as they're purchasing. That doesn't get reported nearly as much because that completely contradicts their narrative that the NRA Republicans, gun owners are racist. Right. Well, and um, you mentioned something earlier. The, the It strikes me, I'll say it this way, it strikes me that these legacy media outlets are trading on, they are benefiting from the reputation of past credibility that these news organizations had developed. And the people who, you know, toiled in the newsroom had, had taken great efforts and pains to preserve and and now you've got these people that are in there and they're essentially saying, well, we have the uh, you know, we've got the masthead. So you should trust us. And like you said, that becomes just a lecture. It's not a conversation any longer. And I think that more and more people are becoming aware of that uh, from these institutions. And I think the pandemic probably did a lot to exacerbate it. Oh, yeah, most certainly. The, the pandemic was a prime example of the press and our leaders saying one thing but behaving completely different. I mean, how many times have we seen politicians with mask mandates out without masks? The people that the press demonized, you know, they always said the anti-vax people were wrong, but now that we've come out of the pandemic mostly, they're saying don't demonize people that wear masks. Don't demonize people that had that. So they're taking a polar opposite stance, and people are just kind of sick of this stuff. Yeah. And... The Florida law was a great example because as they kept ramping up that don't say gay mantra, it was easily beaten back by a question. People would say, where in the bill does it say that? And it didn't. And that completely neutered all of the outrage. Right. And then the reaction to being called groomers, which is the tactic that they've adopted when they call everybody Nazis and racists and white supremacists for disagreeing with them on a policy matter, um, and and man, they 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 do not know how to handle uh, these types of tactics when the right employs them back on the left. And I've been warning people on the left: you're not going to like it when these rules are applied to you guys too. And that's I think what we're seeing in large part. No, we absolutely are. Right? Even within this very issue, uh, during the 
the whole time that they were saying don't say gay, if you supported the law or if you argued with them about the merits of the law, you were homophobic, you were transphobic. It was okay for them to use those labels, but as soon as you turn around and say, why is this so important? Are you a groomer? Oh, how dare you? Right. And the right is resorting to these hysterical tactics. It's like, well, that's your tactic. <laughs> We're just using it in the same avenue as you are. Suddenly it's wrong. Right. And this type of thing happens repeatedly. And it's, uh, you know, even Ron DeSantis, by going after Disney, people say he's trying to violate their free speech rights. No, he's doing the same thing that has taken place for years on the other side. It's wrong for him to go after Disney, but a Christian bake shop has to service gay clientele or else they're in trouble. Yeah. It was okay for them to go after private business, but if the Republicans do the same, suddenly a line has been crossed. Oh, hey, look, we're in North Carolina, uh, ground zero for the bathroom bill, the HB2 fight. We saw it all firsthand sure. here. Yeah, so uh, they had no problem weaponizing the economy against uh, 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 the working class, basically. The people that got harmed the most by the cancellations of these things were uh, people who relied on the tourism industry. So, uh, yeah, they were perfectly willing to do it then, but now I'm supposed to believe it's a bridge too far. Um, Brad, I appreciate you making some time. Sorry about the phone issue at the beginning, but we'll have you back on if you want, and uh, appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. I'll uh, I, I'll address the media anytime. Okay, sounds good. Uh, that's Brad Slager. He is at redstate.com. Also read his column at townhall.com as well. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, and 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. Um, oh, here we go. J, uh, JP says, I just followed you because you were talking about it on, <laughs> on the Twitter. Thank you, JP. Appreciate it. Uh, the handle, by the way, on Twitter is at Pete Calendar, which is kind of crazy how many followers I've gotten now. I did get a message from somebody who said, hey, it could also be maybe not that you were shadow banned, but maybe you got a lot of people coming back onto Twitter. Uh, yeah, so Michael says, in all fairness, the uptick in followers could also be more conservatives joining the platform now, as well as a change in the algorithms. That's possible. Um, but I, like even now, there's another five that just signed up. I, I I do not know. I can only speculate. Um, MSNBC's host, Ari Melber. Melba. I'd never heard of this guy, which that's not saying a lot, okay, because I don't watch MSNBC. Um, I used to back when I thought, like, I needed to. That I generally don't anymore. If I see it, I'll see a clip, and usually it's like people mocking Morning Joe or Joy Reid. That's about it. That's all that's left. That's all that MSNBC has left. Uh, an MSNBC host suggested Monday evening that elections could be swayed through Twitter's targeting of political parties or candidates. I played this audio earlier, but listen to what this guy is saying again, because I'm going to launch into this piece of the Daily Wire by Mary Margaret Olohan. 
And he reacted Monday to the news that Elon Musk is going to be buying Twitter. And what he explains in his, you know, sky is falling, worst case scenario, this stuff is already being done. It has already been done for the last, what, four years or so. You own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates, Mm -hmm. all of its nominees. Mm -hmm. Or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Right. Yeah, that's exactly the problem. Like That might be the most impressive lack of self-awareness ever. Um, Trump is claiming that he won't even return to Twitter if the ban were lifted. He said, this is a far bigger than Trump or Elon Musk. They are symptoms of the world we are living in where technology has outpaced any of our ability to deal with it. There's that common theme again. You've heard me mention this, which is, oh, we're ungovernable. No president could ever possibly be able to manage all of this. It's just too much. This is the excuse that we are given when it's there, guys, wrecking the boat, right? Running the ship aground. Nobody could possibly be able to navigate these waters. We're just doing the best we can. Now, if it's the other guys in charge, then it becomes, you stink. You're running the boat aground on purpose. These, But, but because it's, um, it's now beyond the reach of uh, of of them to control now it's well it's it's just too much we have to moderate the content this is the position by the industry by and large that is protected under the constitution that elon musk says we should follow those laws which by the way makes it a lot easier it makes it a lot cleaner i've talked about this in the past as well if you're looking to formulate some sort of content moderation standards you should probably go with the ones that have already been, you know, haggled over and codified. They're all written down. It's in the law. You just follow that. You don't even have to reinvent all of the terms of service. They're already there. At the dailywire.com, Mary Margaret Olihan says that a lot of Twitter users were pointing out that conservatives have repeatedly been locked out of their Twitter accounts for stating traditional views or conservative perspectives. As recently as Monday, Twitter punished the concerned Women for America's president, Penny Nance. Why? Because she called a biologically male transgender athlete a man. That's what gets you banned. See, so they don't want free speech. They don't want, as Brad Slager said, you don't, they don't want a conversation. They want to engage in a lecture. And then you are to dutifully accept their positions. That's it. Why can't you just do that? In October 2020, Twitter locked the New York Post out of its account following publication of the smoking gun report on Hunter Biden's laptop, literally impacting the election. Twitter also heavily censored the story, uh, preventing users from even tweeting about it or sending a direct message with the link in it. I tried that. Didn't work. Following the announcement that President Joe Biden had won a slew of uh, of the, the election, A slew of liberal media outlets, activists, and Democrats suggested that the president should take an active approach to censoring conservative media and punishing conservatives involved in the Trump administration. Well, guess what we have now? President Biden just announces 
the Ministry of Truth. We'll get into that in a minute. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Who controls the past controls the future. And who controls the present controls the past. George Orwell's 1984. So the whole thing with Twitter has really prompted a lot of the gatekeeping elites, and I do use that term in quotes very loosely, uh, it has prompted such hysteria, but it has forced them in their hysteria to show their hand, which is they're not liberal. They're not. They're more fascist than anything. They do not want anybody else to be able to offer opinions that run counter to their views. Because the problem is when when you hear competing ideas, you then get to choose which idea you prefer. And if you have, let's generally speaking, if you have these progressive leftist ideas, they are not as attractive to the people that are listening to you debate me. If I have superior ideas, they're going to agree with me. And progressives don't like that very much. Hence, the creation of the new Ministry of Truth. They're not calling it that, but that's what I'm calling it, because that's precisely what they intend to do. Oh, and the person they put in charge of this thing, oh my gosh, she has been wrong about so many things. It's amazing. I'm reading a Substack by Majid Nawaz. It's called Radical, and uh, he's got a bunch of different stuff in here today. He made this open. It's, the Substack is a subscription. Uh, I don't pay for it, uh, but the, he made this one free. Almost as revenge against Elon Musk, within days after the announced purchase, the White House announced the appointment of Nina Jankowitz. Nina Jankowitz. From none other than the Department for Homeland Security as the new disinformation czar, which means she's going to be uh, uh, disseminating the disinformation, I believe. That's how that works, right? Uh The Ministry of Truth, he says, is finally here. The U.S. government employee, Nina Jankowitz, will now apparently arbitrate between true and false. I mean, let's that makes a lot of sense, really. If you think about it, let's let's have one person in a in an appointed partisan political government function determine what is true and what is not. What could go wrong? Regardless of whether Musk was part of this plan or is truly out of favor with them. The globalist elites were ready. They had lined up their response as if they already knew. After everything that has transpired in the last two years, he says, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security is now seeking to govern what information you're allowed to put out. Like, is this your red line yet? Biden's new disinformation czar, Nina Jankowitz, uh, she is actually posted disinformation herself you want to take a guess at what some of these disinformation posts have been yeah that's right hunter biden's laptop exactly hunter biden's laptop she bought into the lie that all of these intel officers uh you know with all this experience and it's russian it's a russian misinformation campaign that's what that's really all about nope um at the same time, or at the time, Biden's new disinformation czar repeated the now discredited lie put out by a group of 51 retired intelligence community members blaming the Hunter Biden laptop story on Russian disinformation. And uh, they were wrong. 
And that's a big deal. Again, if you're the person that's going to be put in charge of determining what is true and what is false, you better have been right about everything your entire life. You better be perfect. So spoiler or buried uh, buried lead here is apparently uh, Nina or sorry. Yeah. Nina Jankowitz might be the second coming. I think that's what that means. Isn't that what that means? She's clearly infallible. Never. She's obviously fallible. She herself participated in spreading major disinformation that probably helped her boss win an election. But wait, there's more. The Steele dossier. That's right, everybody. The Steele dossier. She was all in on that one. Uh, She has a tweet going back to 2020. Quote, listen to this last night. Christopher Steele. Yes, that Christopher Steele provide some great historical context about the evolution of disinformation. Here's the woman who's now going to lead the Ministry of Truth, touting Christopher Steele and his historical context on evolution on the evolution of disinformation. The Steele dossier, of course, was a fraud. The Clinton campaign paid for it. The, uh, the Durham investigation has their sites trained on the campaign uh, of Clinton. They've actually already been fined. They had to uh, settle uh, in the DNC. They had to pay a bunch of fines, 100000 plus, right? Uh, what else is uh, the Minister of Truth wrong on? Oh, that's COVID. That's right. How could I miss the big one, right? COVID. She said on Twitter, I totally avoided public transit when I was in London last week because of lax masking. I also got into an argument with an English woman across from me on the Eurostar who refused to put her mask on. So she's a mask Karen. Or, no, I don't even, I I prefer Gruber. Gruber, named after the Rolf Gruber character from Sound of Music. That was the boyfriend of Liesl who turned into the brown shirt, blew the whistle, literally, like alerting the Nazis to where the Von Trapp family was hiding out at the convent or the abbey, right? Gruber. It's because it's unisex. You can apply that name to male, female, non-binary, whatever. You can apply it to anybody. That's a Gruber. Um, let's see what else. Uh, to, to, to do Ukraine, she was wrong on. Um, but, 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 but while you... Uh, so he goes on to say, uh, for a while you've been hearing uh, talk by politicians about controlling the internet in the name of policing hate speech. In the weeks leading up to Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter... Such talk increased. And then they trotted out Obama to start talking about how the democracy was in peril. Democracy's in peril. So you got Obama as your chief campaigner in defense of democracy against disinformation, right? Okay. All right. Obama against disinformation. The guy was awarded the lie of the year. Over, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Yeah, the lie of the year. But he's now going to be the guy to lecture us about what is and isn't misinformation or disinformation. Oh, also, he was the guy that actually signed into law a change that lifted the uh, domestic prohibition on government-made propaganda. Yeah, it was House Resolution 4310. Back in 2013, they wanted the ability to target 
the propaganda to foreign nations, but there were some limitations on what they could do. And so they asked Obama, hey, do us a solid. And he did it. It's part of the National Defense Authorization Act. He approved uh, the the whole act. The Smith-Mund Modernization Act contained within the National Defense Authorization Act eased existing restrictions so that government media targeting foreign nations produced by the U.S. Agency for Global Media could be disseminated here in America. So prior to the passage of this law, media like that was banned from being distributed to an American audience. But in approving the National Defense Authorization Act in 2013, we now have become targets of this propaganda. We are allowed to now be targeted for the propaganda. And the guy who signed that into law is the guy that's now supposedly to be trusted about disinformation, about who's spreading the disinfo. Don't whiz on my boots and tell me it's raining. 